Stephen cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. The Lord be with you. And with 
Merry Christmas, a very warm welcome to St Bride's for our choral Eucharist on this, the Feast of St Stephen. It's not very often that we have the chance to celebrate his feast day, today on Boxing Day, because it's so readily overshadowed by Christmas itself. So it's a great delight to be able to share this occasion with you today. We begin now with an opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The saints were faithful unto death and now dwell in the heavenly kingdom forever. As we celebrate their joy, let us bring to the Lord our sins and weaknesses and ask for his mercy. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
Gracious Father, who gave the first martyr, Stephen, grace to pray for those who took up stones against him, grant that in all our sufferings for the truth, we may learn to love even our enemies and to seek forgiveness of those who desire our hurt, looking up to heaven to him who was crucified for us, Jesus Christ, our mediator and advocate, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Stephen said to the high priest and the council, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the Righteous One, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth against him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together upon him. Then they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve, Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you up, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver up brother to death, and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I have always felt that St. Stephen gets a bit of a raw deal in the church's calendar. Having his feast day on Boxing Day means that it's invariably overshadowed by Christmas and, more often than not, gets overlooked altogether. Indeed, the only reference that St. Stephen normally ever gets at this, at this time of year is in the carol, Good King Wenceslas, which we shall, of course, be singing in a few moments' time. As you will recall, it was on the Feast of Stephen that the Good King looked out. Which is all a real pity, because Stephen is a figure of considerable significance in Christian tradition. He is remembered above all as the first Christian martyr. We heard the story of his death, as recounted in the book of Acts, in our first reading this morning. Some of you may be aware that there's no doubt whatsoever that the author of St. Luke's Gospel was also the very same person who also wrote the book of Acts in the New Testament. In other words, Luke is the only Gospel that we have that also has a sequel. So it's well worth reading the two of them together, one straight after the other, because it's very illuminating when you do. For example, when we look at the ways in which Stephen's martyrdom is described in Acts, we can see all kinds of parallels with the way in which the death of Jesus is described in St. Luke's Gospel. But before I say any more about that, Let's look a little more closely at what the Acts of the Apostles tell us, tells us about Stephen himself. Stephen's story takes place at the very dawn of Christian history. The risen Christ has ascended to his Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit has descended upon the disciples. And the followers of Jesus are suddenly left with the daunting task of working out how to organize themselves in order both to try and live out their Christian faith and also spread the good news of the risen Christ. And the Acts of the Apostles recounts the story of those endeavors. 
the apostles were bold and visionary in some of the things that they tried to do. For example, they began by living a common life in which everything was shared. There were no private possessions at all. But of course, people being what they are, problems soon started to arise. In particular, a big argument arose within the Christian community concerning the daily distribution of food. One group of Christians was complaining that another group was getting a better deal for its poor and needy members than they were. So it was agreed that seven men of good standing would be selected from among them to oversee the distribution and ensure that it was done fairly. And Stephen was one of the chosen seven. And how does the author of Acts describe Stephen? Strikingly, he does so in terms remarkably reminiscent of the way in which Jesus is portrayed in Luke's Gospel. Stephen is described as a man full of grace and power, who does great wonders and signs among the people, and who is filled with the Holy Spirit. When he's challenged in debate by the Jewish hierarchy, we're told that they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke, so they accuse him of blasphemy and set up false witnesses against him. All of which is remarkably similar to Luke's portrayal of Jesus, particularly the role of the Spirit in the ministry of Christ in that gospel. When Stephen, in Acts, points out the folly of the accusations which his opponents level against him with reference to the history of the Jewish people, they are enraged and they drag him out of the city to stone him. And how does Stephen respond? Again, in terms remarkably similar to the way in which Jesus prepares himself for death in Luke's Gospel. This is how the book of Acts describes Stephen's death. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. You may remember that it is only in St. Luke's Gospel that the dying Jesus says of his opponents, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And only Luke has, as Jesus' dying words, the phrase, Into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. So, why is it that Stephen's ministry and death are so closely and consciously modelled on those of Jesus? The answer is a simple one. The author of Luke and Acts is telling us that the life of discipleship for those of us who strive to follow Christ is one in which we are called to model ourselves upon Jesus. We are reminded that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do God's work, even in times of extreme adversity. And we are also alerted to our need for absolute trust in God, a trust exemplified by Jesus and by Stephen, even when they face a certain death. And we are also charged to forgive those who would cause us deliberate harm. I once preached a sermon in which I happened to observe that sometimes the smallest 
and most apparently insignificant of gestures, something as simple as a hand extended in friendship can, quite remarkably, overturn decades of entrenched hostility between two people who have hitherto been profoundly alienated. And so, in its own way, that small gesture could change the world. But after that sermon, a member of the congregation came up to me and said quite rightly, yes, that's all very well, but suppose the person from whom you are alienated has absolutely no desire to be reconciled and is not remotely interested in being forgiven. Suppose they simply take delight in doing you damage. What possible use can forgiveness or unwelcome gestures of reconciliation have then? What a good question. But it is, of course, precisely that scenario that we see in the story of Stephen's martyrdom. Stephen prays that they might be forgiven, knowing that his prayers will probably have little impact on his own fate, because, of course, his primary concern is still for the gospel and for the truth of Jesus Christ, not for his own destiny. Forgiveness is one of those things that is actually much easier to talk about than to practice. But, difficult and demanding though it is, it is nevertheless something that all Christians have to take profoundly seriously, if for no other reason than because that requirement confronts us every single time we say the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we want to be forgiven, then we also need to learn how to forgive. But the question still remains, what is the point of forgiving someone who has no desire whatsoever to be forgiven or to be reconciled? The answer to that seems to me to lie within another question, namely this. If ever we encounter hatred or aggression or personal hostility at any level, is it better to allow ourselves to be consumed by our hurt and our indignation, however understandably human such a reaction might be? Or are we strong enough and courageous enough to resist being poisoned by it, by resisting the temptation to retaliate and responding instead with love. Because even if we feel we can do nothing to change the attitude of that other person, we can nevertheless always attend to what is going on within ourselves. But actually there's more to this too because it is sometimes precisely our refusal to succumb to the worldly temptation to give as good as we get or simply to feel profound resentment. It is sometimes that very thing, that very ability to resist doing the expected thing that can pull up short the person who is causing us such damage. It may not happen in that precise moment, 
It may not happen for many years, but if we can respond with love and compassion in our hearts, God really can take that and run with it. Martin Luther King was a complex man who undoubtedly had his flaws and his shortcomings, but he was also undoubtedly a man who was absolutely committed to the gospel and to seeking justice for his people. Both he and his family suffered appallingly as a result. They were constantly victims of violence and death threats, and of course, ultimately, he too paid for his convictions with his life. But that in itself makes the following words, spoken so obviously from his heart and from acute personal experience, it makes these words the more authentic and the more persuasive. He wrote this. To our most bitter opponents we say, we match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we shall continue to love you. Throw us into jail and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead and we shall still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the priest. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, 
we acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks, Heavenly Father, at this Christmas season for the gift of your Son to be our Saviour, for the love of Christ who took our human nature and for the new life and new hope that is now offered to us through that birth. On this, the Feast of St Stephen, we pray for all Christians who are persecuted for their faith, mindful and thankful that we have the privilege to worship in freedom and in safety. We give thanks for all who, like Stephen, have the courage to speak the truth and to urge compassion and forgiveness in the face of evil and violence. And we pray for the leaders of the churches the world over. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we hold before you this day your troubled world. We remember the victims of natural disaster, war or terrorist attack in recent months. We remember all who are suffering from the consequences of the global pandemic. We pray for those who are sick or who have lost loved ones or whose jobs or financial security has been put at risk. And we pray for our own government and parliament and for all in positions of authority that they may govern wisely and well. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and for the suffering, especially those who are alone or afraid or separated from loved ones this Christmas season. We remember those who are in hospital and we give thanks for the steadfast service and dedication of the staff who care for them. We pray especially for any known to us who are in need of our prayers this day and for those who have no one to pray for them. Compassionate God, we hold them before you in the silence of our hearts, and we ask your blessing upon them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for those who have died and for any who are dying now. Grant us with them a share in your eternal kingdom. Sweet child of Bethlehem, grant that with all our hearts we may share in the profound mystery of Christmas. Grant to us that peace for which our hearts are yearning, the peace that you alone can provide. Break down the barriers that separate us from one another, that we may recognise ourselves as children of the same Heavenly Father and reveal to us your beauty, your holiness, and your purity, 
that we may be joined together in the love that is your gift to the world this Christmas time. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? May the God of peace sanctify you. May he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before him at the coming of our Lord Jesus with his saints. The peace of the Lord be always with you. this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, 
For your goodness, we have this wine to offer, fruit of a vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks that your glory is revealed in Stephen and all the saints. In their lives, you have given us an example of faithfulness to Christ. In their holiness, we find encouragement and hope. In our communion with them, we share the unity of your kingdom. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
accept our praise as heavenly Father through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts, by faith, with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, 
but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, we thank you for the signs of your mercy revealed in birth and death. Save us by the coming of your Son and give us joy in honouring Stephen, 
first martyr of the new Israel, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
God give you grace to follow his saints in faith and hope and love. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you now and always. Amen.